Hi, my name is Joe Hancock, founder of His Vessel Ministries, and your host for Becoming His Vessel podcast. I often say in this thing called life, I may not always get it right, but my heart is to get it right. So my heart's desire is that this would be a resource for me as well as you, that we would be formed by God's Word, filled with Father God, and just poured out for His glory, truly becoming His vessel. Today I want us to go a little deeper on a subject that I've touched on in previous podcasts before, but today I want to dive deeper into the subject of love because I've been hearing this a lot in conversations lately, that the answer to a lot of our situations, our issues, our problems among communities around our nation is that we just need to love everybody. If we would just start loving other people, loving other groups, everything would be all right. But I want us to look at this closely because does love really change the world, just any kind of love? Because sometimes we got to understand what people mean. What kind of love are they talking about? Are we talking about the love where we just want to make everybody feel good? Where we want everybody's needs to be satisfied. What everybody wants, we want to get it under control. Just peace at any cost. Well, I tell you, we can go to the world for that kind of love. But I want us to dive into the Word to find out what God says about love and how love is the answer for everything. And I'll tell you, I learned this through a very traumatic experience that I walked through one time in my life. And it was over 25 years ago when someone deeply wounded me. When someone hurt me so deep that there were times I thought I could not get the next breath. And I thought about when I was in the midst of this, how I was to respond. And I knew that I was to love in this relationship. I wasn't sure what I had done to justify this behavior. And I was really confused. It knocked me off my feet. And once I was able to get myself back up, pull myself together and search myself and search myself through the word, have time with God to find out what this was all about. Because was I to defend myself? Was I just to throw in the towel with this relationship? Was I to work and try to fix this relationship? You know, put the peace on it, put it back together at any cost? Because, but my heart was wounded. And I can remember going to Father God and putting myself on the altar and asking Father God, God, what is this all about? Because God, I know that you're sovereign. And if you had wanted to, you could have stopped this. You could have kept this hurt from coming in my life that I feel like I didn't deserve, but obviously you want to use it for my good and you want to teach me something from it. So God, I need to put the word of God on this situation so out of it, I can be a better person. And God, I know that you see all of my hurts and you see exactly what happened, but how am I to respond in this? And from that conversation, I sense deep down inside of me that I was walking through a relationship 
that God in his sovereignty allowed me to be wounded, but he wanted to teach me how to walk in his love. That in the past in this relationship, I'd walked in a worldly love. Just make everybody feel good, have a good friendship, emotions, satisfy you, satisfy me. But I knew from that, the Holy Spirit was nudging at me. That God was starting me on a journey. And he was going to teach me his love. What true love, agape, that's the Greek word for love in the New Testament in many places where it says God is love. God wanted to teach me what his love looked like. Because you know I've said it before and I want to remind us. God never lets something touch you that's not intended to make you better. And in this hurt, I didn't know how I was going to be better until the Holy Spirit said, there's a lesson. I want to make you better spiritually. And I want you to learn God's love so that you can begin to walk in life going forward where you can walk in love. And what exactly is that? And what does that look like? Well, Deuteronomy 6, 5, when God's talking to his people in the Old Testament, he said, we're to love God. We're to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. We're to love God. That love, that word for love there is an action. It is an action that gives So we're to respond in an action when we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And it's a giving action. Now, I want to stop right here and say something. So many times when we hear the word give, we think of what? We think of money. When we say the word love, we think of feelings. I want to broaden our scope our understanding of love and zero in on God's love to go beyond narrow understanding of love because in Deuteronomy 6 5 that love there is an act of giving but it's much much more than materialistic giving giving of money this is amplified this is repeated in a commandment when Jesus spoke he said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, when he said the greatest commandment is to do what? Is to love the Lord your God. What? With all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That Greek word for love there is agape. What I want you to see in the New Testament, there are many times when the word love is used, it means agape. That means an unconditional love. That means that God loves unconditionally. And when agape, when love is spoken there, it's always an action of giving. In fact, every time in the New Testament, when you see the word love used, and it's the Greek word for agape, you can write right over that word love and write giving because it is an action of giving of some kind. Always an act of giving. And it always comes out of the spirit of man. It comes out of the heart of man. It doesn't come out of your emotions. It comes out from the very depth 
of you. And God taught us this when he gave his son, Jesus. He said, God gave his only begotten son. What did he do? That means God loved. How did he love in that? He gave. He gave to the world his son. Why? So that we could be reconciled back to God. It's always sacrificing. God's love is always self-sacrificing. What does Romans 5, 8 say? Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. In other words, Christ was willing to give his life. He was willing to sacrifice himself for the world so that the world could be reconciled back to God. Now, I know that this is way beyond what we think, oh, God would never ask that of me. But this is how God showed us his love and how he defined his love so that we could really understand it, that it is giving. He gave his son. It is self-sacrificing that Jesus sacrificed his own life so that we could have life. Why? Because we were sinners and the wages of sin is what? Death. And so he gave, he loved. Now, there's another kind of love that is addressed in the New Testament, and that's phileo love. That is a love of like a friendship where you have a common interest in something. And so it comes out of feelings for one another. There are times that I say to my husband, because I love my husband, I'll say, Keith, I love you. I just love you. And and it's like a feeling, an emotional type of response, attitude that I am conveying. And what am I saying? I'm saying, Keith, you're my friend and you just stir my emotions and I love you and I just want to do things for you because you do things for me. It's because we have a common interest in one another. But there are times that I say to Keith, Keith, I love you. I love you. And it is coming from the very depth within me. It's coming right from the core, the heart of who I am. And what am I saying? I'm saying, Keith, I agape. I have such a love for you, Keith that I am willing to sacrifice myself for you. I am willing to die to my needs or my wants right now because I want to satisfy you. And I show that in an act of giving. Giving Keith something. Not always materialistically, but giving. Giving him affection. Giving him respect giving him attention, giving him something that he desires. It's an act of giving simply because I want to deny my own self and I want to direct it toward him. And so how do people know that we love them? It's not always because of spoken words. But when we agape people, it will always be through an action of giving. God wants us to walk in agape. He wants us to walk loving people. What is that? Action of giving in some way where you sacrifice yourself. And I want to say this. This is so important. 
When we agape, when we love people as God is love, it is always that action of giving and never expecting anything in return. It's not that you may not or probably will get something in return, but you do it without the premise or the motivation that I'm doing this for what I'm going to get back. If you do, that's not agape. Because agape is always that self-sacrifice, never pointing the finger back at self, at me. That's phileo. Phileo is always satisfying self. I'm going to do this because it's going to make me feel good while it makes you feel good. But there's always that expectation for me. I'll never forget when I learned this one time teaching a Bible study. Goodness, that was probably 20 years ago when I realized studying Genesis 2 and 3 that life was not about me. That if I am truly going to love as God is love, I have to live life from a perspective that it's not about me, but it's all about God. And through my actions, God may use me to look to other people and esteem other people, to satisfy needs of other people without even considering me. Now you say, well, that's unfair. How will my needs get met? I'm going to tell you, it's a principle of God that I cannot understand, but God. The only way that you can understand this is to know that it is God. Because when you live from a perspective that I'm going to give of myself, I'm going to give of myself so that other people are satisfied, needs are met, When we do that and not expecting for me to be satisfied out of that circumstance, somehow God always comes back around and meets the needs of the giver. Again, don't think financial. Don't limit this to just money. Think of your own needs, what you need as a person. Acceptance could be so much more than just that. But It's not about me. And so agape is just laying me down and not considering me. When you can do that, you know you trust God, that he is going to supply everything that you need emotionally, physically, materialistically, everything about you spiritually. God will. Why? Because God is love and he loves you. He just wants us to turn around and love others. Now, how do we appropriate this to our life? I want to look to Ephesians chapter 5 for this because it really drives home this point. And now Ephesians, what is Ephesians all about? It's about Paul. He's talking to the church and he's saying, now Christians, this is how you live. This is how you walk this Christian life. And Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, he says that we are to follow God and walk in love. Now, that is interesting because if we're going to follow God and God is love, then we're to walk the way God would walk. We're to live the way God would live. But Paul prepared us for this right before it in the fourth chapter because he gives an explanation about 
taken off the old man. Now that you're saved, you put off the old man, you put on the new man, you put away your sinful behaviors, you, you now walk not in a corrupt manner, but you walk after God. And then he says, now don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I believe that that is critical for us to understand, to prepare to walk in love, is that we're to walk as a new person. We're not to walk as the old man. Now the old man is there and you have to put to death the old man because the old man wants to revile. The old man wants to defend. The old man wants to revenge take revenge against those people that hurt us. That's the old man. But the new man is to walk in love. And how do we do that? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. See, we're to be so in tune in our love relationship with God that when God says love in a situation, that we are prepared to love. And how do we do it? The Holy Spirit will point the finger the Holy Spirit will direct us exactly what that looks like. That maybe you've gotten hurt and you want to respond in anger or bitterness or unforgiveness. And God says, no, forgive one another. Be tenderhearted to one another. Even as Christ, he's forgiven you. He's tender toward you. And you say, well, I don't feel like it. That's not agape. Your feelings do not dictate agape love. It's an obedience to the voice of God. And when God says, just give of yourself, take an action of giving and respond, even if you feel they're not worthy, respond in an act of love. And so Paul says, as Christians, we're to follow God and we're to walk in love. Now, I want to read Ephesians 5, 2, because he tells us what this looks like. Ephesians 5, 2, you're to walk in love as Christ loved us. And how did he love us? He gave himself for us. What? An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Do you know what? That lays it out so simple for me. It is so simple that if we are going to love, and if we agree that's what our nation needs right now, that's what families need right now is love. That's what the church needs right now is love. That's what communities need right now is love. The body of Christ must rise up and follow God and love as Christ is love. And what is that? The first thing, be willing to give. It's always an action. You got to take action if you're going to love. And that action will always be some type of giving and an offering to the giving and a sacrifice. I tell people all the time to serve God, there's a sacrifice. Why? Christ's sacrifice. I believe it shows God just how much we love him when that sacrifice, and that's what Christ did. He sacrificed his life. And what will be the result of that? That when we have a life of giving and we act in that and we offer our life to be that sacrifice, we will be a sweet smelling aroma. You see, I believe this is what the world needs to smell, is a sweet smelling aroma, an act of love. And we need to so fill the atmosphere with so much love, agape love, that it is the aroma. And that aroma of love is what draws people to Christ and they come to Christ and they become love. Then they want to walk in love. And so we're not to look like the world. Yes, we're to be in the world, but we're not to look like the world. 
hey, when you live like this, when you begin to respond to situations in love, see, you won't look like the world, but the world will want to look like you. You say, well, Joe, no one lives like that. I mean, people just don't live like that these days. Everybody's looking after themselves. You're right. We're living a very self-centered world, a very self-centered nation. I would contend we live in many homes in a very self-centered family where it's meet my needs, meet my needs, then I will meet your needs. That's not agape. It's always about me being willing to love you even if you don't love me. But you say, well, people, people just don't live like this. But I contend it's not living according to God's love that's gotten us in a mess. But I believe God is now got us and giving us a window of opportunity to spread God's love. But, you know, for us to really live like this, I mean, it's hard because, you know, as a nation of people in America, we really become selfish people. It's all about me, satisfy me. But that has gotten things out of order. If we're to follow God, that means we look to God and we got to know how to love. Why? Because again, 1 John 4, 16, God is love. What does that mean? We focus on God and not others. It's so easy for us to look at other people and pattern after them or look to other people to justify our behavior. But this is where we have to stay focused on God. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, we are to follow God. And when we follow God, we walk in love. It is critical that we keep our eyes on God and because he's love and he'll always exemplify what this looks like. See, if I look to others, that's when I'm really going to get in a mess because I'm constantly going to want to protect myself because isn't that what we're supposed to do? I'm going to want to defend myself. I'm going to want to always satisfy myself in every situation. I want to feel good. I want my wants and my needs met. I want to be accepted. I want to be acknowledged in the situation. I don't want to be forgotten. And what is the center of that? I. It's all, those are all about I, me. And usually when we take care of I, then we're open, we'll turn around and take care of others. But that's not God's order. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about, because I will tell you, I've learned this just through experiences in my life. And like I said, some 25 years ago, and when I knew that God was teaching me what his love looks like and to live like that, not just to know it, but to live like that. And there've been so many times in my life when I would want to respond and defend myself, or I would want to hey, give my opinion and give my knowledge to correct something because I thought I knew some facts and it would help the situation. And the Holy Spirit would say, no, muzzle your mouth. You don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to contribute to the conversation. And there are times when God would say, just give me your right. See, that's an act of love. When God says, just give me your right to correct the situation. Give me your right to be justified. Give me your right to explain yourself in this situation, Joe. Give me, give me your right 
to defend to defend yourself, Job. And, you know, my flesh wants to rise up and say, no, I want to correct this. I've got to get them to understand. And God say, no, just love, just love. And so in loving sometimes, it's not defending yourself. It's not correcting. It's not rising up and I'll show you. It's humbling yourself, giving the opportunity to God, although you have the right to. It's not revenge. It's not taking revenge when you know others have intentionally hurt you and you didn't deserve it and you want to get back at them and the world would say, well, that's all right. And God would say, no, just love. You give me your right to get even. You give me your right to speak up right now. Maybe other times God does say, hey, speak truth. Speak truth to them in this situation. I'll never forget one time when my Brooke had gotten some, some trouble when she was a, a teenager. And I remember sitting down and talking to her after the occurrence. And I said, now, Brooke, what was the one thing that you learned from this situation that's going to make you better? that you'll learn going forward that you're going to be better as a result of having walked through this. And I'll never forget it. She said, Mother, I learned that just because you have the right to do something doesn't always mean it is the right thing to do. And I thought, how profound See, just because we have the right to do something in this world, the law says we have the right to do it, people around us say we have the right to do it, there's sometimes when God would say, love me, give me that right to do such and such in this situation, give that to me, sacrifice your right to do such and such, and just through that, love me. And trust in that to God, that he will take care of the matter. He will make things righteous, not just right. And you give that to God. What are you doing? You're saying, oh, I'm having to give up. I'm No, you're loving. It is an act of love. See, this is kind of hard to think through sometimes because the world has so taught us, hey, take care of me, take care of self. No one else is going to take care of you unless you take care of yourself. Well, if you are in relationship with Father God, He's got His eye on you all the time. He is taking care of you. He's wanting you to respond in love. Hey, and there are times when God will say, hey, you do speak up and you speak truth. I know back at the first of the year, when the gambling issue came back before the state of Alabama. And, you know, for me, I love God. It would be easy for me to say, oh my goodness, here we go again. We're going to fight this gambling issue. And the reason I'm against it is because God's word is against it. It's contrary to God's word. And I remember when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, hey, you've got to speak up. You've got to speak up. You've got to be a voice for God and put God's feelings in the matter. What does God say about gambling? So that it is on the table and it's certainly something for people to consider how God feels about this matter. 
And what happens as a result of gambling? If you look to false gods, what happens to a state or a nation that looks to false gods for their financial needs, their security, their entertainment? Well, when you put other gods before God, and after a while, and you don't get that corrected, God has to bring judgment. That's God's word, not mine. And from all that, I knew the Holy Spirit was nudging me to speak up to state authorities. Speak up and speak truth. Now, it would have been easy for me to say, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, you have to put your reputation on the line. You have to go out there and people will just think crazy things about you. And I thought, Father, it's just easier to sit back and, and, and teach Bible studies and disciple people. And God said, are you going to love me? Are you going to love me? Are you going to give me your reputation? Are you going to sacrifice yourself what people may think of you and just love me? Love me. And I thought, Father, I offer myself to you to give in this situation, to give truth to those in positions of authority to represent you. God, I love you. So the question was, was I going to love? That love would have been an action, an action of giving, giving truth, giving up, giving, sacrificing my reputation, what people thought about me, sacrificing my time to prepare what was necessary, information to get the facts together, putting the word of God on it. Was I going to love? And I said, God, I love you. I love you more than I love my reputation, more than I love my time, more than I love the cost, the sacrifice to the matter. See, God just wanted to know, did I love him? And so I spoke up and I spoke out. Another illustration, when, when God showed up one day when I was busy, busy, busy practicing law, pursuing the things of the world, pursuing financial gain for myself, for my family, and here again, a reputation and and so forth. And God showed up and said, I want your life. I want you to give me that law practice. And so was the question was, am I going to love God? Am I going to show love by an act of giving, giving back to God? This law practice, something that I had worked extremely hard for my entire family, you know, had been a tremendous support of that. But was I going to sacrifice that? And was I just going to love. And because I loved God so much, I said, I give this to you. So many people said, gosh, are you going to give up all that you have worked for? Are you giving up all these things? And my response was, because I was walking with God, because my heart was set on God, my response was, God, I'm not really giving up anything. I am giving you. I am loving you through this act. Because, you know, if I thought through it through the flesh, I thought, you know, this doesn't make sense. How am I going to help people, you know, in, in the ministry? How am I going to be able to bless other people? And yet now, God coming all the way around, me loving God by giving him that law practice, I am now in a situation where I feel I am able to help so many more people than I would have 
ever been able to help financially through the profits of a law practice. God is so amazing. I could go on and on and on with the examples. Some are big, some are little, but nothing's really too little for God. So in conclusion, I really believe through agape, through loving God, is how we mature. That's how we grow as Christians. It gets our focus off of me, gets your focus off of you, and it puts our focus on God, and it puts our focus on others. We become selfless. That's where God wants us, because then God can be everything that we need to satisfy us. See, it's never a to-do list. That's the flesh. I'm going to love, so I'm going to do this, 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 and this. That is the flesh. No, it's yielding your life to God, living in a close relationship with God, that when God says, will you love me, you always take action out of response, out of that love relationship to Father God. So, as I wind this down, I don't want you to think that God's love agape is allowing people to walk on you, allowing people just to take advantage of you. See, that agape love, when you act in that, it's about being such a sweet-smelling aroma that it draws people to Christ, and then they become love. And then this is how we feel the atmosphere. This is how we feel the earth with God's glory, by loving as God is love. Now, in our nation, we're in a mess. And when I look around, physically, I see we're in a mess socially, morally, economically, religiously, and politically, we're in a mess. In our educational system, we're in a mess. But see, God is watching. And God doesn't let all of this mess touch us unless he wants to use it as an opportunity to make us better. So I believe in the midst of this messes that we're in, rather than being overwhelmed by them, let's look to God and say, God, first, I want to love you. I want to love you. And I want you to show me, God, how to love in the midst of this. Not just love everybody to make everybody feel good. God, show me how I am to be agape. How I am to give of myself. Sacrifice myself so that you are lifted up. God, tell me, show me through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Love is a discipline. It's being disciplined enough in your relationship with God that when God points the finger and says, love here, and this is how I want you to love, you're in such a relationship with God, you simply obey. See, I'll contend there's a lot of families, a lot of family situations that are in a mess. Family members whose lives are out of order right now. Problems are bigger than they know what to do with. Our response to everything is to love. Sometimes it is to love people by disciplining them. It is to love people by speaking truth to them that maybe they don't want to hear. But God wants us to act in love. Not by ignoring problems, but acting on them in love. And what will that look like? This is why the Holy Spirit has to guide you. It may not always 
play out the same in every situation, and I know it won't, but it will always be an act of giving. There'll always be a sacrifice. It'll always show unconditional, an unconditional behavior toward another. It'll always have truth on it, and it'll always result where God gets the glory. Thank you for listening to the Becoming His Vessel podcast. If you'd like to receive more resources that would help guide you in becoming His Vessel, I invite you to visit our website at www.hisvessel.org. If you'd like to connect with me directly, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me by calling 334-356-4478. And my prayer is that you would seek to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength as you seek to become His vessel.